Welcome back right here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Here we are, Thanksgiving Eve, coming down towards the end of the show right now. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, joining us. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 p.m., right here on WDEV. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, brother. Happy early Thanksgiving to you and yours, by the way. Happy early Thanksgiving to you as well. I know that, uh, hey, I'm not saying for you and me, but Thanksgiving is usually seen as the best night to go out all year. So if Freddie was going to have a drink tonight, what would you be having? Probably Long Island iced tea. That's still probably my favorite drink. I mean, I'm usually a beer drinker kind of guy at times, and I have a chance to imbibe a little bit but if i'm gonna have a particular drink that's always been my favorite drink a long island iced tea i haven't had a long island iced tea since college and i don't know that i ever desire to have one again after college why is that <laughs> too strong for me at least where they made them in oswego new york too strong for me yeah i don't mind the strength of it that's why i know i can have one of those and then i'm pretty much good if not for the rest of the night definitely the rest of the week maybe in the rest of the month maybe even the rest of the year that's probably why i like that drink so much <laughs> Well, Freddie, I want to move to the Celtics. They take on the Nets tonight in a really interesting story on the Celtics today on ESPN.com. An Eastern Conference assistant coach says about Jason Tatum, I don't think he cares about winning now, and if he does, it's on his terms. He doesn't want to score 15 and win. He wants to score 39 and win. Does that strike you as Jason Tatum being selfish, or is that an attitude you think far more athletes have than we as fans care to admit? It's probably the second part of that equation when you said that, Brady, because I don't know how much of that should be applied to Jason Tatum, though, because remember, he's still young in his NBA career, and I think Jason Tatum is finding out exactly that you can be a winning basketball player, but you don't have to score 30 to 35 every night. I'm sure if this assistant coach who is anonymous put that on the record, Jason Tatum may be at, the same, at this point in his career thinking, well, if I don't get 30 to 35, our team doesn't have a chance to win. That doesn't mean he doesn't trust the Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart or anybody else. He knows that he's the dude on this basketball team. And I'm a Jalen Brown fan, but when Jason Tatum plays at that level, the Boston Celtics are not close to being unbeatable. They're probably an unbeatable team. So I would believe that's probably his mindset, that if he's scoring 15, that means he's not helping the team win or the team does not stand a great chance of winning. But if he's getting anywhere from 30 to 35 to 39, that increases the selfish chance of winning. So I don't know if it's a selfish thing because – we wouldn't attach that, for example, to a Michael Jordan. We wouldn't attach that to a LeBron James. And granted, Jason Tatum is nowhere near those guys. But anytime you're a great player, you always believe that if the ball is in your hands and you're scoring, that makes everything better. So I wonder how much of that led to that assistant coach in the Eastern Conference to say that about Jason Tatum and his game right now. Don't you think, though, that – well, I think it's a generally prevalent attitude among young players also to want to get theirs. Don't you think that – Tatum's already made all-star teams. He's already gotten paid. Don't you think now there is some onus on him to figure out a way to make it work with Brown where they both can get theirs and it doesn't have to be a clear one-two? Well, it should be a clear one-two, to be honest with you, because, for example, you look at the Golden State Warriors, when Steph Curry was the number one guy, but then Kevin Durant came along and he took a step back being the number two guy, and they're still able to win championships. Same thing with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. When LeBron James joined the Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade was the number one guy, took a step back, and they won two championships in four years. So you always need a number one. You need two great players, there's no doubt about that. But there has to be an alpha dog in that situation because even if you have two guys who have that mentality, at a certain point it's going to wreck the team because they both believe they should be number one. I go back to Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. When Kobe Bryant was on the come up, and he always wanted to be an alpha dog. He, wanted to be a, he always wanted to be a Michael Jordan. 
and Shaq was not going to see that thrown to him. And we saw having the end of that between Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. So I've always been a firm believer that you need a dude on your basketball team that everybody looks at and they say, if we don't stop that guy, we're going to have a problem. So I don't know if it's incumbent upon Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to figure that out. It may be incumbent upon both of those guys to realize the ball has to go through Jason Tatum. He's a more skilled player than Jalen Brown. And if you're having a, if you having that constant fight, we should be number one. At a certain point, that's going to wreck your basketball team in Boston. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on this Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Want to move over to the Patriots. They're taking on the Titans coming up uh, this Sunday. We're going to have the game for you at 10 a.m. with the pregame show on DEV. I was listening to ESPN this morning on the radio, and Bart Scott was uh, – no, this was on Monday. Bart Scott said, the Patriots haven't played anybody. Show me what happens over the next month. I'm done apologizing for the Patriots' schedule. Do you think we should be looking at the Patriots quizzically because of who they played, or you just play who's in front of you and that's it? You play who's in front of you because I've been a big believer about this, Brady. People try to play with narratives all they want because we know what the narrative would sound like if the Patriots had not won five in a row against their competition lately. If they had lost four out of their last five, you know what the narrative would sound like. Oh, why can't you beat those teams? If you're that good of a coach, Bill Belichick, or that good of a player, Mac Jones, or a good of defense in New England, why can't you beat those teams? People play with their agenda any way they want. But the fact of the matter is, it is a National Football League. Anybody is capable of being, beating anybody. You don't believe me? Ask the Buffalo Bills how they felt after the Jacksonville Jaguars beat them. Ask the Tennessee Titans how they felt after the Houston Texans beat them. Ask the Titans again how they felt when the New York Jets beat them. So I'm tired of hearing that nonsense from people about, well, they schedule this and they schedule that. It is hard to win football games in the National Football League, and no matter what you do, it may not be your day. That team may be better than you. That team may be tougher than you. Look at the Buffalo Bills over the weekend with the Indianapolis Colts put up almost 280 yards rushing against that football team because they had their number that day. Everybody in the NFL, no matter how bad the teams are at times, everybody has talent. Look at the Detroit Lions. They took the Pittsburgh Steelers to a tie game, and they also took the Cleveland Browns to a winnable game for them, and they don't have a win in the National Football League. So that kind of rhetoric, that kind of narrative, you can completely miss me with that when it comes to Bart Scott or somebody else. I'm not going to punish a team winning five games in a row in the National Football League. It's hard to win one in a row in the National Football League. So when the team does it five in a row with their defense, their running game, and a rookie quarterback, I'm not trying to hear that from anybody. I don't care who it is. Freddie, who do you think is the biggest surprise in the NFL right now? Boy, I would say the Miami Dolphins being where they are right now because I thought that team, if they were not going to contend for the AFC East spot with the Buffalo Bills at the top, I thought that team was going to be a playoff game, a playoff team. I like the way the defense had played. I like the way offense, they had a good offensive line and a decent running game. And I thought having Tua Tungabailoa playing more than nine games and having a full training camp was going to help that football team. And I just wonder how much of that, how much of that noise in the offseason, Brady, really affected Tua Tungabailoa and has been very able to filter down to the rest of his team because everybody knows in that locker room that the organization does not believe he's going to be the guy quarterback. So if you have that sense in your locker room and you know a guy's trying to overcome that, it really plays an undue amount of stress on other people that had nothing to do with that. You look at the charges. They knew that Justin Herbert was their guy the minute he got into the lineup last year. They're going to build a football team around him. When you have a young quarterback and you have people in the locker room looking at you thinking, well, you're not going to be, be the guy here next year. What are we going to do as an organization? 
I wonder how much of that affected the Miami Dolphins, and we've seen the results of that, unfortunately, for that football team not having the season I thought they were going to have in the NFL. UVM 4-2 and two coming into today's game. They're in the bottom 100 nationally in scoring. They won yesterday 58-49. to 49. Can you be a small conference team that has a hallmark of playing great defense but can't score? Can you be that kind of team and still accomplish great things come March? No, you can't do that because more than ever before in modern basketball, you have to be able to score the basketball and play some defense as well. And you can do both. Well, you can be a team that can average close to 75, 70 points a game and only give up 59 to 60, but you have to be able to score the basketball. You can try to minimize those possessions and you can try to play the hard nose kind of style. But if you're not making shots at a certain point, it's going to come back to haunt you, whether it's in conference play in your conference or if you're forced to get the NCAA tournament. And you got to hope that you have a decent seed where you're not facing your number two or number three seed. I've always been a big believer that you have to play to your strengths and your talent. And that's what UVM is doing. But yeah, eventually you're going to run into teams that can score. And you're going have, to have a hard time stopping them from scoring, especially when more than ever before, height can score in college basketball. It's not just about guards. And you need guards to play well. But there are a lot of 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", 7'1", dudes like Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga yeah. that can score the basketball. So it's not so much in terms of playing tough defense. You better have height that can play that kind of defense and nullify that. And more than ever before, we're seeing an evolution of big men that are skilled big men in college basketball. They're not just plotters. They're not just guys you can put in the post and dump the ball inside. They can face up. They can take people off the dribble. So you can play that way in the America East. You can play the way in the Northeast Conference. But when you run in a height that can score, there's no way you'll be able to compensate for that no matter who you are in a mid-major league. Completely agree with you. Well said, as always. Freddie Coleman, you are the best. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, 9 p.m. weeknights right here on DEV. Freddie, happy Thanksgiving. You've been with us from the beginning, from day one of this show. You know, uh, let's see, 13 months ago when we started, you've been here since day one. You've never missed a week. We appreciate you. We're thankful for you. Thankful to have your show on our station, and we wish you a great holiday. And you have a great holiday, many, many blessings, and glad to be a part of something that's really special that's going on, Brady, and it means the world to me, not just those words, but chopping it up with you each and every Wednesday. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and I'll talk to you next week.